Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that During this time, we're able to learn about you, to know about you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that even now, you speak to us. Even now, God, we are able to wrestle with your word, to know more about you, to be refreshed by what you want to say to us. We believe that we've come into this place. We believe we've locked in online. We believe we're podcasting this, not by coincidence, but by way of sovereignty. And it is in light of that, Lord, that we have ears to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you were growing up, I wonder, how did your family deal with tension? That feeling on the inside where something is wrong, how'd they deal with it? Did your mom and your dad, did they come together and have a quiet conversation and resolve things and say, honey, how did you feel? Well, honey, how did you feel? Well, honey, that's all right. (laughs) They hugged each other and they went to bed. Is that what you grew up with? It's a good chance that's what you didn't see. Maybe you came out of a one-parent home where you didn't necessarily have a mom and a dad where you saw conflict dealt with, but you saw the way your mom dealt with conflict. You saw the way your dad dealt with conflict. And there was anger and frustration. There was, how, did they, how could they say that to me? There was, well, what I, what I meant to say was, well, fine, well, fine. And some of you had mothers and fathers where there was tension, and they, they dealt with tension by, by running to tension with frustration and anger. And tension built even more and more. So some of you saw explosions. But some of you, you just didn't talk about it. It was just there. Just hanging around everywhere you went. There were just these tensions in the home. We all grew up with a model, a vision of how to resolve conflict. And when we deal in the area of marriage, there is no place When you are going to live with someone, love someone, be with someone constantly, you will not escape tension. I'm not even talking about the word conflict right now. I'm just talking about tension. That feeling on the inside, something's wrong. Something needs to be clarified. Something's not clear. Tension. And tension always finds its way in our home. Oh, man. Anytime we go on a trip, my wife and I. Tension says, got come? <laughs> you see, because we think differently when it comes, and, and there's no place that expresses our differences than travel. Particularly the longer the travel, the more tension shows up. You see, the reality is 
Praise God, when we're traveling, I'm thinking about my bags and the car. And then packing the car with their bags. Three things at the most. My wife is thinking about everything. She's thinking about the bags. She's thinking about diapers. She's thinking about games. What games are we going to play? What games are we going to play in the car? What snacks are we going to bring? And so me, I'm calm. I wake up. I go get some coffee. What time you want to leave? All right, pack, get my stuff together. Hey, what time you want to bring the bags down? Cool. My wife's like, is the gas off? This place will blow up if we leave it on. You're like, calm down. It's okay. Right? She's got 7,000 things she's thinking about. Then we get it. Once we're in the car, I have a really simple relationship with Google Maps. <laughs> I'm easy. They told me this is the address. I punch it in. That's the whole ball game. <laughs> that's it. So I punch it in, and I will give my, my wife's not here today, so I'm a little more bold. <laughs> She in the comments like, asterisk, asterisk, star, star, exclamation mark. <laughs> but we'll, you know, but true, true story. There has been times when my wife was right and Google Maps was wrong. So shout out, shout out <laughs> to my wife. Shout out. But man, I'll put the address in. And it'll be like, turn left here. And she'll be like, what's she talking about? I'm like, it's not, it's not a real person, baby. It's, it's a satellite. It's not. I had to change the voice from female to male because it was triangulation happening in my home. The tension is real. And I'm like, and, and then, you know, uh, the Google Maps voice, whoever that is, uh, do, do they have a name? That's uh, Siri, whatever. The name of the, whoever Google Maps person is, they'll be like, there's a new way you can go. And she'll be like, oh, really? So you didn't know it beforehand? I was like, well, it's a satellite. So it's thinking of a new way. She's like, see, I just, you can't trust these things. <laughs> Tension. It's all throughout our relationship. And if you're married today, tension is in your relationship. But if you're a Christian today, tension in your relationship too. If you're going to have a strong relationship with anybody, you actually have to learn how to work through tension. I don't care if you're single, married, you have, if you're going to have that in your life. God has hardwired us to want peace. You'll never just enjoy tension. God has hardwired you to want peace. And the way through, for relationships to be strong, the way that we have been wired, our deepest desires, is that when tension shows up, our next step is to create clarity. 
for where there is tension and then clarity happens, we have peace. You see, clarity is, what? why did you say that? What did you mean by that? Help me understand. Clarity is trying to understand the heart, the agenda, the motivation, presuming that the person doesn't want to hurt you. The idea then is there's something we're just miscommunicating and we've just got to remove the tension. But far too often, when clarity is not sought, what happens is tension arrives and there's another person that shows up in the chat and that's assumption. An assumption is the very opposite of clarity. It is the way in which our minds imaginatively fill in the blanks with a person's motives and agenda. It is by which we move towards anxiety. We feel unresolved. We feel confused. And the bottom line is, all couples will deal with tension. But I must say that there was a time in our culture, and this is just a side note, there was a time in our culture when there would be people who would avoid tensions by seeking comforts, like places at the bar. They would seek comfort in their work. They might even seek comfort in drugs because of the way in which their brains are set up. They just try to go to those pleasure centers in their minds and the addiction grows and they avoid tension. They avoid their home. But there's a new way to be addicted to something to avoid tension. And it's in all our pockets and it's in all our homes. This little thing is so wild that you could be out with friends, people you actually enjoy, and tension shows up, and instead of engaging that person, you jump on your phone and you text someone you enjoy more. Or you go and you start scrolling to this world of entertainment, so much so that you avoid tension. And what I'm telling you is something that I've seen, and I used to say this was just a millennials, but you know, grandmas are on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> the day has changed. Everybody's got their phone, and this is what I'm trying to tell you. We have atrophied in our ability, our muscle, to be able to work through tension. And now we live in assumption because what we do is we find our way to avoid tension and live in entertainment. Literally, you will be avoid talking to someone by talking to someone else while you're in front of them. It's fascinating. And all the while, and this is the part that blows my mind, in years of pastoring, but even pastoring now, there are people who I presume are close because they take pictures together. And so I'll be like, hey, so you and such and such are close. He'll be like, nah, psh, nah, we're not, we not cool. <laughs> and I'll be like, but you took, you take high resolution pictures together. <laughs> uh 
do you understand what I'm saying? Can you imagine taking pictures in HD while having no clarity in the relationship? And it's because, because these people, they're performing. And, and we've lost our ability to... Okay, now I'm really... So just praise God. This is all for free. This is, y'all didn't come here for this. <laughs> Part of this is why, you know, ladies, this is why guys have a hard time shooting their shot. It's because it's awkward. And we've lost our ability to dance in the awkward. When I went, I, I hung out with my mom. I was down there. And you know what? You know what I forgot, man? You know what I forgot? You know, when you're around older people, you know what they do? They sit around and they go, so how you, how you doing? That's good. Yeah, you know, gotta, you know, this, this. You gonna get that booster? <laughs> Boost me up. I'm gonna get that booster, shoot. I know I'm gonna get that booster. I'm gonna get that. I qualify. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, just small talk. Just lots and lots of small talk. And now people are like, I hate small talk. It's not small talk. You just don't like feeling uncomfortable. And people have grown more uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'm trying to tell you, if you don't learn how to dance in discomfort, you will never have strong relationships. The very essence of relationships is discomfort. The very essence of strength is tension. I want to get a personal trainer, and I want to grow strong muscles. And the trainer goes, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over here. We're going to train. Like, I want strong muscles, but I don't like to lift heavy weights. How can we set that up? <laughs> Excuse me? I don't like lifting weights. Do you want strong muscles? Yes. Hold on. You can't get there without tension. In fact, if you want to grow stronger, watch this, you need more tension. I believe it's not that you just want strong relationships. Brothers and sisters, you were made for strong relationships. And some of you are. Some of you are crowded in pictures and lonely at home. And you want something more. And I'm telling you, you've got to dance in the awkward. You've got to dance in discomfort. You've got to learn the art. operating in the tension. And so this couple that we're going to look at today, man, they, they get into this weird moment. It's really not an in-depth text, but it's just this weird moment that happens. It's some miscommunication, a little bit of tension. Here, if you remember, in chapters one and two, they're just falling in deeper in love. Chapter three, they get married Chapter four, they have sex last week. Check it out. <laughs> and then we look at this chapter, and then, oh man, the honeymoon is over. Look in chapter five, verse two. It says, I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved 
is knocking. Now, what, what you, I want you to see the contrast that she says there. I slept, but my heart is awake. What she's saying is I'm half asleep. I can't get rest. And all of a sudden, while she's not at that third level REM sleep, she's kind of half awake, she hears a knock on the door. And all of a sudden, at this knock on the door, she hears, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet and dew my locks with drops of the night. Can't really tell what time it is, but it's most likely after 11 p.m., somewhere between 11 and 2 a.m. It's that time of the evening at that time that would function more like three o'clock in the morning, our world. It's that time where you're sleep, sleep. Don't disrupt me time. Like, what are you doing right now time? But in marital terms, it's where are you? You were already supposed to be at home. Functionally, what's happening here, if you hear the way that he's rendering this, my love, my dove, my perfect one. He's trying to get in the house. <laughs> now, these people live together, but he can't get in. All right? Just think about that. Meditate on that. So she's created it where he can't get in. Somehow she's locked the door to where he can't get in. And so now he's got a request to come in the home. Most likely, he wants some romance. Most likely, it's late night. He's been out all night. He says his locks, his hair, they're wet with dew. Most likely, he might have been hunting. We're not sure what he was doing. All we know is that she was asleep and she thought you should have been home by now. He's oblivious. My love, my dove, my perfect one. Amen? <laughs> now, if you remember, in chapter 1, Remember when she was like, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Your love is better than wine, right? Chapter two, she said, sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples. And we talked about raisin cakes. That's like an aphrodisiac. This is when she was dreaming of having sex with this man. Chapter four, remember he was talking about her hair and her lips and her eyes. Remember how he was talking about her teeth and how she had all her teeth and she brushed her teeth and it's just so beautiful and so flowery, right? So basically, we got an incredible picture of the early moments of their relationship. Then we got an incredible picture of the night of their honeymoon. But now they've come into some conflict. This is funny. You don't have to be a theologian for this next part. Praise God. <laughs> he knocks on the door. She wakes up. She's half asleep. He says, open the door. And this is what she says. I had put off my garment... How could I put it on? I had bathed, and I love the ebonic nature of that. I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? Basically, what she's saying is, I'm in bed. I've gone through my routine. I did all the things. And now you want me to get up. And so she verbalizes this by saying, basically, I took off my garment. How could I put it on again? 
Why should I disrupt my sleep for someone that should have already been home? Why should I open the door when I've locked it for strangers? Oh, it's very clear what she's communicating here. But I want to show you what happened in verse 4. Verse 4 says, My beloved put his hand, this is her talking, put his hand to the latch, and it says, My heart was thrilled within me. Now what she said was, I ain't got time to come to that door. But something on the inside of her was thrilled. The way that the Hebrew says, it says her, her, her insides are in an uproar, meaning she is emotionally overwhelmed that he's still at the door. In verse 6, it says, I opened, watch this, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but he found, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. Well, saints, she said, go away. He said, fine. She said, I didn't mean go away. <laughs> I meant lowercase g. I mean like go, not go, stupid. <laughs> but he could have stayed. He knew he was late. He could have said, let me explain. He could have stayed at that door, but he chose to leave. She answered and she called out his name. He couldn't have gone that far. She's hurt. He's hurt. He walks away. Saints, this is what we call unmet expectations. Oh, that is how the tensions begin. That's how the miscommunication begins unmet expectations. I thought you should, but, but I thought you said, but why? Unmet expectations. You thought what life was going to be like. Now, unmet expectations when you're single are one thing, but when you're married, whew, intense, praise God. Quite intense. Domestically, She grew up in a home where her dad fixed everything. You know, he, was able, he took out the trash all the time and took care of the bills, fixed the car, changed the oil. This brother is domestically blind. <laughs> Clueless. Clueless. Can't fix a thing. You tries to do stuff on YouTube, can't figure YouTube out. Not good at stuff. Meanwhile, he grew up, mama cooked every night. Oh, yeah. Slaved over that meal. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's good. Put her foot in it. Yeah. Real good food. Now, you have an intimate relationship with the microwave. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. That's not what you... Wait, 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 wait. wait. I, I, we, we used to go out to eat when we are dating. I just thought... Well, you used to take stuff in from me. I just thought... Tension. Spiritually, 
Y'all used to go to church together. Y'all said amen together. You married now. She's ready for a deep Bible study. She wants some Greek and Hebrew words. I need you to break down the text. I need a man of God leading me. She like, when are we going to do a Bible study? He like, I'm tired. She like, when are we going to pray? He's like, ooh, didn't we say grace over our meal? Tension. Physically, he, he, he thought there would just be more sex. More meaning every night. She thought there would be more romance. She thought the poems that you did were going to keep going. And they stopped. Socially, you know, she loved it when he was so decisive when you were dating. But now you found that same strength that he had to be decisive also doesn't listen to you when you talk. He kind of is always answering, not really taking it in. He wants to come home and just chill. He, he's, he's been talking all day or listening all day. He doesn't want to talk right now. Tension. And emotionally, you were so strong when we were dating. I, I dated you because I married you because you were strong. But when you come home, you're, you're really unrattled. She says, I dated you, you were so confident, but you're, you're really arrogant. Tension. Tension happens in the art of assumption, expectations, what I thought. And there's no way even if you live together, can you fully understand who this person is when you get married? You, side note. This is the side note message. Side note. Do you know why living together and marrying someone is very different? Forever. Oh, there's a back door when you live together. Literally. At some point, you can just leave. Because living together, doesn't, there's no statistics of people who stop living together. But there are divorce statistics. And there's when you do a big wedding and all that, it feels different. It hits different. So when you're married to someone, it changes the context. It changes the pressure. It deepens the burden. Expectations in a relationship are essential. You thought you know what you wanted. It's important to note that expectations aren't mistakes, but they're also not mandates. When you expect something, it's really what you imagined the world would be like with them. It's imagined how you thought they were going to come home. Imagined how you would be socially, domestically, romantically. It's the imagined world that you had. And the expectations that you have arise from a deep sense of what you value. So they're not a mistake. It will not help if you try to stuff them down and pretend you don't have them. 
but they're also not mandates. You cannot force someone into the vision of the marriage that you thought. You have to walk with them, be able to dance in those tensions, discover what they want, discover the things that they need. This is why it's important for those of you that are dating to know what is, what are the non-negotiables? What is it you value? What is it for you that has meaning and worth? Because when you get married, there's going to be so many things you negotiate, so many things you have to compromise, so much you have to figure out. (laughs) My wife played college basketball. Did you know that? Very good. Didn't know she didn't like watching sports. Gotcha. What? You don't want to watch basketball? Yeah, I don't like watching basketball. I like playing it. Wow. Houdini, just. That part of, I talked about changing the oil. That was not like, imagine, that's me. My father-in-law, my father-in-law was like, um, we went up there, we needed to get the oil changed. And he was like, uh, I was like, hey, where's the Jiffy Lube? He was like, Jiffy Lube, change the oil yourself. I was like, I don't know how to change the oil. He was like, you know how to change oil? I was like, I don't know how to change oil. He's like, you don't know how to change oil? I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to change oil. I was like, how do you change oil? You know what he said? You change it. <laughs> Lord Jesus. So this is what she expected. You change it. I was like, Jiffy Lube. (laughs) And that means that there is a level of grieving that every couple has to go through. Because they are not who you thought they were. And it is the degree at which You learn how to communicate your expectations while simultaneously accepting who you actually married, not who you thought you were marrying. Let me just say that one more time. It is the degree at which you learn how to continue. You have to keep communicating your expectations because they are there. But you simultaneously have to accept the real person you marry. Because they will not change by intimidation. <laughs> and 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 I I've done marriage counseling for years. And let me just tell you some of y'all this some of y'all's expectations are wildly unrealistic. Wildly unrealistic. She's been working all day. Your mom had a different job than she had. It is different. And guess what? You didn't marry your mama. That's why she doesn't cook like her. So the fact of the matter is, why are you expecting 
the way your mama made broccoli. Be happy she's heating it up. Be happy that you have a meal. Praise God. You have to get over that. Those are all real. That's real in the sense that, man, this is what I sit and I listen to, and I'm just like, well, you know, that's, yeah, I understand that's what you desire, but that's not going to (laughs) happen. And, and, yo, you should see people like, what do I do now? I'm like, (laughs) go home. (laughs) You better better eat that warmed up broccoli, dog. (laughs) Straight out that plastic bag, kid. Add some salt and pepper and butter. That's what I'm saying. While you're dating, it's important that you learn now what they value because things are going to change. They're not fully going to be everything. They're everything I want. No, they're not. There's some of what you want. But there's a whole lot of other stuff you're going to see when you're with them all the time. I'm not talking about the first month. I'm talking about the first year. After a while. That's okay. Because you're not who he thought. He was getting in. <laughs> so, so, as I close, when you have unmet expectations that lead to tension in a relationship, this is not just church. This is not just for couples. This is just for Christians. I'm telling you, if if, if, as Christians, if you would do this, you would be so mature. I mean, just whoo, just spiritual muscles all over the place. Y'all strong. You're so strong spiritually. Two commitments. Two commitments. One, commit to a life of spiritual transformation. Two, walk towards the tension, not away from it. Okay. <clears throat> when I say spiritual transformation, commit to a life of spiritual transformation. That would say, when the Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right? Talks about testing, discerning God's will based upon your transformation. Now, you can try to change your spouse. It will only lead to emotional gridlock. Don't try to change your spouse. Let God change them. You pray for the change in your spouse, and you pray. And I'm not like talking about, you know, some people be praying in the, like, they're like, hey, let's pray. God just changes heart. He's just, I mean, somebody's got to wash these dishes, Father, and you know, just somehow, Father. No, I don't mean like backdooring it. I mean, You can't change him, and you can't change her. You cannot try to pressure them into being something else. But you can pray that God would change them. And let me say this. Their change, I I can promise you this. If you pray for their change, I cannot promise they'll change. But I promise you will. Oh, you'll change. You'll be lighter, you'll be stronger, and you'll be wiser. But I just want to note briefly that 
the word here for transformation is not, it's something deeper than actual change. It is the word that we get for metamorphosis. And a metamorphosis is what we see when a caterpillar eventually turns into a butterfly. And butterflies are beautiful, aren't they? They're lovely. And people don't have chains with caterpillars on them, praise God. No, caterpillars aren't something that we tend to adore. Butterflies are because they're beauty, because they're look, their ability to fly. A caterpillar will go through a process to become a butterfly. It's called metamorphosis. And what the Bible is saying here is don't be conformed to the world, but have a metamorphosis in order to be like Christ. And that means you're committing your life to a metamorphosis. But wouldn't it be weird if a caterpillar is like, I'm just a caterpillar. I mean, I was born this way. I'm a caterpillar. I'm just, I just be caterpillaring. <laughs> and it would take somebody to come up to them and say, listen, there's literally more inside of you. You were made to fly. I can't tell. I've been down here my whole life. This is all I know. I know all I know. No, 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 no. There's something inside of you. You were made to fly. And you've got to commit, you've got to tell yourself, I wasn't just born, I was born again. I don't care how you've been made, you're remade. And it's because of the work of Jesus that you commit your life to spiritual transformation. Any couple can make it when both people have committed to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. You can't tell me two people can't make it when the Spirit of God falls fresh on that relationship. Someone's got to change because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can change your funky attitude. Yes, he can. He can transform minds and hearts. He can create love in the midst of tension. Don't tell me what he can't do. If he can raise dead people, he can transform a relationship. Start with you. Start with you. You commit to personal sanctification by way of waking up to the Spirit of God every day and saying, change me. There's a butterfly. The Spirit of God lives in me. and He longs to transform me. You make that commitment. There's nothing God will not be able to do through you. And there's also a variety of places God can put you in when someone makes that commitment. But the second is walk towards the tension. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 renders it this way. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun Go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Paul, the apostle here, wants us to know that be angry. Anger is an emotion that comes about because expectations weren't met. Frustration has come through. 
People weren't what you thought they would be. But he actually gives us an imagery of time by saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That way we would know that time and tension and anger, when they are wed, when they are together, it creates a toxic atmosphere. Paul said something very interesting in the 27th verse. He said, because if you'd let the sun go down on your anger, you'll be essentially giving an opportunity to the devil. The scripture here, the word opportunity, can be translated as foothold. But the Greek word is actually meant to be like place. When you look at how this Greek word was used in classic Greek, it was most often used for a phrase, guest room. In many ways, what Paul the Apostle is saying, don't be angry and do not be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down. Don't give the devil a guest room in your home. You might have even heard that it's good that you don't go to bed angry with one another. That comes from this text. The idea is that if you let it linger, you are basically creating an atmosphere, a warm bed for the devil to live in your home for tensions to remain. You can go to work, have a great day at work, but you've got a guest room for the tension that the evil one has created. You can binge watch the greatest show ever, and right when you get done binge watching all that entertainment and laughing, There's the devil with his tension saying, I've got another episode of drama for you. You can scroll all day and try to avoid the tension. But it's still there and will not leave. You can go on vacation and tension says, I'd like to come. I'd like to be there when you're choosing which restaurant to go to. Changing your circumstances does not change the spiritual context by which you're operating in. He says, don't give the devil a guest room. And so the way that you push out the tension, the way you move out these ghosts that live and operate in dark spaces in your home, by creating clarity. By saying, why'd you say that? What did you mean by that? Help me understand what you meant. And you say it in such a way where you're quick to listen. You're actually asking a question to understand. Not assuming you already know the answer. And that way you allow that person to be in community with you, in fellowship. 
And when you do that, here's what happens. You ever, uh, you ever have somebody stay at your house too long and you got to like casually like help them? You know. what, you, what, you, what, you, what, you, what you doing the rest of the day? You got some, I, whew, I got a long day of work. It's, it feels awkward uninviting someone you made comfortable in your home. But every time you create clarity, you shed light and you uninvite whom you gave space to. And I say to you tonight, God has called you to not have relationships that are surviving, ones that are thriving. Because you know what? You know what? When I said, did you grow up in a home? How did they deal with tension? Many of you laughed because the kids were watching the whole time. You are teaching your kids how to deal with conflict by your silence, by your anger, by your confusion. You disciple them in peace when you create clarity. So I say to you today, thrive the power of the Holy Spirit. Commit to transformation. Walk towards the tension. Jesus, we love you. We ask you even now to give us that clarity in our relationships. We ask you even now, God, to be able to give us freedom, to be able to move towards those moments that are so hard, God. But it is the Spirit of God that would call us to be at peace with all men. It is the Spirit of God that tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the sinful nature of the flesh. So in you, God, there is no division. In you, God, there is clarity. Holy Spirit, we pray for a clarified heart, a clarified mind, a clarified home. And God, we speak against the tensions that happen. They will happen, but they're there to make us stronger, not to create division. And so we ask for your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.